Are Christians deluding themselves? Are we really praying to some magic man in the sky? Stay tuned to find out who the God of Genesis is and what he's really like. The audio podcast that you're about to hear features scientific evidence for biblical creation. For many more evidences for the accuracy of the Bible, visit our website, creation.com. My name is Calvin Smith. And I'm Richard Fangrad. And, you know, on this show, when we're talking about God and we're talking about the Bible, I mean, we're talking about the God that absolutely exists. We're not yes. talking about the guy, God that might exist or we're here to show you, well, if we give you enough evidence that, you know, maybe you can possibly believe. We're talking about God, the creator, that absolutely exists. So, you know, and when people, people ask, well, is there a God? The answer is yes. That's right. Yeah, the Bible starts with a statement, in the beginning, God. Right. It takes the existence of God as, as, as self-evident. It's, it's obvious that there's a God. It's axiomatic. Right. It's something that doesn't need, uh, doesn't need explanation. In Psalm 14.1, we're told, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Right. The Bible calls atheists fools. The right. fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, we <laughs> would never say that. We're far too <laughs> politically, politically correct. correct society. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, how can we say that? There's probably some people going to watch the show and just be offended that we could have even stated what we've stated so far. Sure. But it's simple. Uh, you know, when people ask, well, well, are you guys saying the Bible's true because you're saying the Bible's true? Yep. And people <laughs> say, well, that's, that's circular. How, you know, how, how, how could you prove that, et cetera, et cetera. Well, think about it. How can you prove anything? I mean, you know, if we were having a discussion and you said, well, Cal, you know, why do you believe that? And I said, well, I believe this because of this. And you said, well, why do you believe that? I said, well, I believe that because of that. Well, why do you, you know, I can't go, infinite regress can't happen forever, right? Sooner or later, I'm going to get to a point where I'm going to say, I believe this because I believe it. And everybody Ultimately, is yes. in that spot. Whether you're, right. you're, you're a creationist or an evolutionist, you, you have a starting presupposition. Right. So if a, if a skeptic is saying something like, well, you know, you, in order to, um, to prove anything, you need to use logic or reason. That's the only valid way to examine the truth or falsity of a, of a statement or, or, you know, something that's claimed to be truthful. How would you prove that statement? Right. I mean, if you're going to prove yeah. that statement using logic or reason, um, so you're saying that logic and reason is the only way to know that logic and reason is the only way to know that logic... You know, that's, that's circular as well. It's circular as well. You, yeah. you're, you know, and, and if you're going to try to prove that statement in another fashion, then it's a self-refuting claim. Because if it's the only way, then how could you have a, you know, a, a, another statement? Right. Um, yeah. How can atheists assume logic and reason? That's, the, that's one of the major problems. Yeah. How can they know anything for sure? Uh, the, the, how can an atheist know anything with absolute certainty? That's that, right. That's a real problem for the atheist position. All worldviews... Uh, have to account for preconditions of intelligibility. Right. Before you even try to figure anything out, you've got to c assume that we're really here. Yes. Right? This is a real world. We've got to assume that logic exists and works. Otherwise, you can't come to any conclusions. Um, yeah. th that, that's what the preconditions of intelligibility are. You have to be able to explain how it is possible in your particular worldview to know anything for right. sure. And so, you know, if, if you ask a skeptic, an atheist, you say, well, tell me one thing you know, and how do you know it? Right? So they're going to say, well, well, I know this cup is sitting here. Well, how do you know that? Well, because I can see it. Oh, so your senses tell you that your cup is sitting there. Yeah. How do you know your, your senses are working? Yeah. Well, I can feel it. Oh, you mean your senses are telling you that your senses are telling you that your senses are... How do you know it, your senses are working? It's circular again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
in an evolutionary worldview, why uh, would you even be able to trust your senses? See, there's two types of circular arguments. There's, there's one that's uh, virtuously circular, meaning that whatever you're saying that supports what you're saying actually adds to and helps uh, your, your, your presupposition. And there's one that is viciously circular, it doesn't help at all. So when I say, well, I can trust my senses because I trust my senses because I trust my senses, it's viciously circular. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Right. But if we claim that there is a God, think about it this way. If the God of the Bible exists, could he reveal things? Could he create senses that could let us know things absolutely for certain? Obviously, yes. So in our worldview as Christians, we have a way of knowing things for certain, if our worldviews is true. Right. The atheist, do they have any way of knowing that their senses are working? Do they know for certain they're not in a matrix somewhere? Yeah, Did ultimately they, the answer has to be no. It has to be no. So the difference between the Christian worldview and every other worldview is, is that the God of the Bible absolutely has to exist. That's the way that you can know that there is a God, because if there wasn't a God, if the God of the Bible didn't exist, you couldn't even argue. You couldn't use logic or, uh, you know, reasoning or anything like that and know it for certain. Let's start with a, a skeptical question, which is kind of illogical. We get it all the time. And the question is, well, who created God? Right. Are you creationists? Yeah. You're all about creation, God creating, you need a creator. If God created everything, who created God, right? Now, skeptics like to point this out, that you know, if you say, well, this needs a creator, then here's a creator of that. Well, you need to have a creator of this, you need a creator of that, and this concept of, again, infinite regress. You can't have endless amount of gods who create the next god, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, and, and actually, you see, we don't have that problem. They have that problem. We'll explain that later. Um, this question is actually a major objection uh, that atheists put forward to justify their disbelief. Uh, I hear it all the time when I'm going around speaking. I'm sure you've, you've heard it as well. Um, Bertrand Russell, um, he was a famous atheist, a British philosopher. Uh, he put this forward in, his, in a very influential essay that he put together called Why I Am Not a Christian. Yes. And of course, uh, many modern atheists uh, have used this argument as well. Uh, Australia's uh, Philip Adams, uh, he was at the two, 2010 uh, Global Atheist Congress, and uh, you know, he, he used the same argument. He said, the great argument for God was that there had to be a creation, a beginning, but my objection was simple. If God was the beginning, who began, the, who began God? So it's, it's the same old thing we hear uh, over and over again, right? Right. So, yeah. so it, the universe had a beginning. Uh, it, it had to have a beginning. Um, and almost no one disputes that. No one is right. saying, well, the, no, no, the universe has gone on forever and that kind of thing. There's, there's other iterations of that. But because of the laws of thermodynamics, the universe had to have a beginning. Right. Like, there might be people saying that, but if you think about it, Scientifically, yes, yes. If everything, if all the available energy in the universe is winding down, then there must have been. A That's beginning. the second law of thermodynamics. Yeah. It had to have a beginning because right. we th see things winding down, right. and in order for them to wind down, it had to originally have been wound up. Yeah. Uh, now people say, well, what about one universe giving birth to another? Well, that doesn't work. Uh, we have time frame issues that need to be considered as well. The universe could not be infinitely old. Matter, space, and time cannot be infinitely old because of the second law. If they were infinitely old, we wouldn't be here on right. these programs. Uh, the, the sun would long, have, long ago have lost its energy and everything would have wound down to a heat death. Right. So it had to have a beginning and it had to have, it can't be infinitely, it can't have been an infinity right. ago. This concept of causation, it, it's fundamental, right? Yes. If I said, well, Richard, you know, the chair that you're sitting on there just popped into existence a couple of minutes ago. This chair just, here? Yeah, just, uh, oof, oof, right? Wow. You'd probably be phoning up a, <laughs> you know, 
place to get me checked out pretty quick because I probably we probably would. You, we just yeah. know that uh, it, it had to be right. So. When, when you hear atheists using things like, wow, well, you know, we, we need to be rational and reasonable and logic and stuff like that. I mean, if you're talking about a big bang that, that came out of nowhere, basically nothing exploded and created everything eventually, that's an illogical concept. See, because if, if somebody asks you, well, who created God? You say, well, God is, is infinite. He's always, always been there. Well, that, that's not a good explanation. Well, wait a sec. If matter created everything, where did matter come from? In the end, there are only two possibilities. There either, either is an eternal God with a mind that can create, an all-powerful God yes, with a mind outside of matter, outside of time, etc. Or there's infinite matter with no mind. It's always been, it's eternal, and it creates things. Yes. Now, logically, what makes more sense? Because in our experience as people, you know, do rocks create things? No, but people can take rocks and create things out of the rocks, right? right. We create, yeah. I mean, we're created in the image of God. So uh, this isn't a problem for us when people say, well, who created God? It's a problem for the, for the skeptic because they have to believe in eternal matter that can create, and that's not logical. It's not rational. Right, and you have cause and effect as well. I mean, everything that had a beginning must have had a sufficient cause. Right. That law was stated incorrectly, actually, by Russell back then. Right. Everything that had a beginning had right. a cause. Right. And so the cause of the universe must have been non-material, right? Because if it was material, as you as you just mentioned, then matter would be subject uh, would be subject to the same decay. laws of decay. That's right. right. Uh, and that, then, of course, it would have had a beginning. Would have had to have that. And and the non-material or let's say spiritual cause must have been outside of matter and time. Right. So it's not subject to time. So it's it's eternal. It sounds a lot like in the beginning God. Right. It, 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 th those attributes. It, and to create the universe, you'd have to be all-powerful. So right. now we've got all-powerful, eternal. Outside of matter outside of and matter, time. It really does start to sound like the God of the Bible. Now, another question we get quite a bit is, <laughs> is if God can do anything, then why can't he do X? Right. There, there, there's questions like yeah, that. There's all sorts of variations of this, right? You hear right. things like, well, if God can do anything, can he make a rock too heavy for him to lift? Or, you know, can he make two plus two equal five? Or can he make a square circle? Or the most interesting one I had recently was from a young fellow. Yeah. He said, could God microwave a burrito so hot that he couldn't eat it? <laughs> all these silly wow. questions. Yeah. But really, I mean, skeptics are trying to be clever with this, right? They're trying to give you a, a, a way, a, a question you couldn't possibly answer because God can do everything, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, ultimately, it's, it's kind of like uh, first week in, in psychology class or, or something like yeah. that. The, the, the basic answer to that question it's is... village atheist stuff. An, an all-powerful God can do anything but can't do a nothing. Right. Can't do, no amount of power will make a square circle. No amount right. of power will make two plus two equal five. Exactly. It, it doesn't, the, the, the questions stated, for going back to that rock one, yeah. is, can God make a rock too heavy for him to lift it? Really restated, it's a rock too heavy for a being who can lift anything. Yeah. Well, it's a, that's an illogical statement. It's a, it's a nothing. You're not, <laughs> it's, it, the, the statement is self-refuting. Right. In the, itself, it's illogical. This type of argument is a type that they call the fallacy of contradictory premises. If the premises itself, it, it, premise itself of an argument is contradictory, it cannot be. Is there such a thing as 2 plus 2 equaling 5? No. 
then no amount of no, that that is a nothing. It, it's it's a nothing, not a something. Yeah. So yeah. this skeptical argument actually cancels itself right out, which means actually, if you were debating someone in an official debate and someone he started with a, a fallacy of contradictory premise, you don't even have to answer them. The, the, the judges would just be sitting there going, "Yeah, you don't even need to respond to that statement." Um, so note that all powerful means the power to do anything that power can do. Right. So yes. like you stated, it doesn't. How much power you know, would it take to create a square circle, etc.? So most theologians define omnipotence as the ability to achieve what is logically possible. So when people call God uh, omnipotent, this doesn't include contradictory things because God's not illogical and he doesn't contradict himself and, and so on. Otherwise, right. we'd live in a pretty messed up universe. <laughs> sure, yeah. And C.S. Lewis actually pointed this out, famous, the, the, the author of the Narnia series and many Christian books on, on theological issues. Mm -hmm. In his book, The Problem of Pain, that he wrote in 1940, he said this, Omnipotence means power to do all or everything. And, and we are told in Scripture that with God all things are possible. It is common enough in argument with an unbeliever to be told that if he existed and were good, would do this or that, and then if we point out that the proposed action is impossible, to be met with the retort, but I thought God was supposed to be able to do anything. This raises the whole question of impossibility. Right. So, in, 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 a, in, an ordinary, in the ordinary usage, the word impossible generally implies a suppressed clause beginning with the word unless. Right. It's impossible and unless. Unless you have this. Right. So, it's impossible me, for me to see the street outside right now. Right now. We're in the studio here. Yeah. Unless I go and walk out the door and have a look at it. <laughs> right. It's impossible from that point of view. If I said, well, yes. I've got a broken leg, it's impossible for me to get out to the curb. Well, unless you help me go out there. Sure, yeah, or we find a wheelchair somewhere or something, yeah. we'll drag you out there. Right, right. <laughs> so there, there are those, uh, and there are those, those, it's that unless thing. It's impossible unless you have this or that. Right. I like uh, what, what C.S. Lewis also said. He said, it's no more possible for God than for the weakest of his creatures to carry out both of two mutually exclusive alternatives. Uh, not because his power meets an obstacle, but because nonsense remains nonsense even when we talk about it, about God. So, um, th this, 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 these types of arguments absolutely fail. They fail right at their starting foundation. Yeah, you and have things like the, the married bachelor or the square circle. Those, are, those aren't, you can't put unless in there anywhere. Those right. things are illogical right from the get-go. Exactly. Now, this also helps us to uh, um, deal with a, a dilemma called the Euthyphro dilemma. That uh, This is a, a debate between Socrates and Euthyphro. And uh, uh, Socrates says, well, is something good because the gods love it, or do the gods love it because it is good? And, of course, that's been applied to the, the biblical God as well. Um, if something's good merely because the gods like it, then goodness is arbitrary. These are the horns of the dilemma here. If right. the gods like something for its goodness, then goodness is a property that exists independently of or above the gods, right? But the thing is, uh, this is a false dilemma because God indeed commands things that are good, but that emanates from who God is. It comes from His, his nature, yes. His character. Um, so it would be like saying, well, is, is water subject to wetness? You, you wouldn't ask that. That's not an intelligent... It, it's just that's part of the nature of water is wetness and the same thing. So, uh, by the way, this Euthyphro dilemma can be turned around on atheists because you could say to them, do you approve of an action because it's good or is it good because you approve of it? 
um, because if it's the latter, then then your moral standard seems to be pretty subjective. It's it's, it's right. arbitrary. Right. And yeah. if you, you you know you're going to complain about God's arbitrariness, then same thing. And if the former, then you're back to explaining where this moral objective standard came from. So it's not a problem for for Christians, but it is a problem for, for right. atheist yeah. moral arguments. When we really look at what what the universe shows, what it reveals. When we think about these things from a scientific standpoint, you know, we look at the uh, the concept that God is outside of time. That means he has to be eternal. Uh, it means he can know all things. He must be all powerful. Uh, it, it just points to the God of the Bible as as revealed there. Um, it's, it's lining up pretty well pretty with <laughs> the way that the Bible describes God. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And if we consider the fact that the Creator made people who, with the capacity to communicate, and, and those attributes are reflected in their creator, so God has also a capacity to communicate. It's just, it, it, it stretches a believability to suggest that God would not also have the desire to communicate to his creation in some way. Right, because his creatures have that desire. We, we, people have been asking, well, where do I come from? And is there any meaning to my life? Yeah, we have for relationships to be loved and so on. And, and then you look at the Judeo-Christian Bible, and it's, it's really the only game in town Again, for the Creator right. to, to it, it, he, the God of the Bible is the only Creator that makes sense based on what we see. Right, and that might sound like an astounding statement. People say, yeah, but there's millions of, of religions out there. Well, yeah, and you know what? You can quickly go through them pretty, pretty easily. Right. I mean, if you're looking at you know, uh, concepts of, well, maybe God you know, uh, created the earth on the back of a turtle. Well, get on the space shuttle, fly out there, turn around. Okay, cross that one off your yeah, list. No, I mean, that doesn't work. You don't need to go through three million religions to, to figure this stuff out. Because they don't fit with reality, right? right? Our worldview has to fit with reality. Exactly. And so you, you've got things like Scientology, where you've got the science fiction writer saying, well, the best way to make a lot of money is to create a religion. Well, it's very cynical, it, obviously. And you, again, look at what they teach. It doesn't make so sense. So he's made it up. Exactly. You've got cults like the Jehovah Witnesses and the, and the, the Mormons and, and they're the, these, these additions to Christianity or, or in a sense a subtraction, for example, the Jehovah Witnesses where they say, well, God yes. isn't, you know, Jesus isn't God and they don't believe in the Trinity and so they're, they're focusing on one thing and really taking Only things on, away. Only on, on Jesus's uh, manhood, not his godhood, not his, his, his divine attributes. Right. Yeah. And then you've got, um, you know, Islam, for example, uh, read the Quran. And, and see if it matches uh, what reality is, you know, the, um, just what kind of creatures he, he would have created, how he's communicating, who he is. It doesn't match up. So really, the Bible is the most credible of all of the sources that God could have communicated with. Yes, and it's a historical document. We have the resurrection itself. Right. I mean, and all of the historical and legal evidences that, that can be brought to bear on the accuracy of that event, that right. that actually took place, that Jesus was actually dead on the Friday and actually arose on the Sunday. Take just one thing, the apostles' testimony. They were all, except for John, killed in violent deaths. They were martyrs for what they believed. Right, and now, if they knew that Jesus hadn't rose from the dead. That's the thing. They would have died for a lie, something they knew wasn't true. Not like a suicide bomber who, who may believe that he's going to have you know, a, a reward in heaven. Yes. But, he, but he, he doesn't know it's not true. Right. The apostles would yeah. have had to die for something they know. They knew was false, That's which right. makes no sense whatsoever. So there's that evidence on top of everything else that we've talked about. Right. You know, when I talk to a skeptic and they say, what about these Bible contradictions and things like that? You know, I mean... We can do shows on Bible contradictions, but they're, they're not really contradictions. When you think about it, 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 it's a matter of almost your attitude. If your attitude was more like, well, what if the Bible really is 
the revelation from God. What you'd find is that those so-called contradictions, there's so few of them, yes, and they are yes. actually easy to, to, to answer. So, um, again, you know, what I would really gently suggest to, to anyone watching this show, that if you have doubts uh, that the God of the Bible exists, um, I would just uh, suggest you actually pray to Him, ask God to reveal Himself to you, and, uh, and really humble yourself and ask God to enter into your life, because He promises that He'd do so for those, That's that, right. that, that, those that ask. Okay, in the news section, we've got from the Gatton Lockyer in Brisbane Valley Star, an article uh, titled, History Revealed in a Creek. So let me give you a couple of quotes from the article here. A creek bed in the Lockyer Valley has revealed two meters of solid sandstone carved away in a 24-hour period, a feat that would take hundreds of thousands of years to achieve under normal water flow conditions. And they went on to say this event that happened, this you know, uh, flood-like uh, situation, it, it moved enormous boulders the size of cars into positions you know, they weren't there before. And then of course, uh, one of the last statements they say in their article is, to think water did in a day what should have taken hundreds of thousands of years under normal water conditions is astonishing. Right. My, my question yeah. is, why is it astonishing? Here's why it's astonishing. You assume millions of years have occurred, if, if these regular rates of erosion have the only thing that have ever been going on, you assume uniformitarianism, then it's surprising. Yes. If you yes. assume that there's been a global flood as revealed in the, in the, in the Bible, and that massive erosion, we've seen examples of massive erosion uh, happen before in our time, it wouldn't be astonishing to you yes, at all. If yes. you believe the Bible, it wouldn't be astonishing. There's nothing there's, astonishing about it, actually. There's things like this that happen periodically, and it always makes the news, and people are like, wow, look at this, we had this canyon form that wasn't there yesterday, and it's here today because yeah. of this massive runoff or whatever it right. might be. And, uh, and again, the word is astonished. Wow, look how fast this happened. Right. But uh, we're astonished, again, because of this, the, the prevalence of millions of years, millions of years in, in geology, and other areas as well, but geology certainly, layers of rock and fossils, millions of years are always applied to those things. That's right. I mean, we, we've covered this before and you can get a DVD from our website called uh, Mount St. Helens. And uh, of course that was a huge geologic, uh, you know, catastrophe when Mount St. Helens blew up way yeah. back in 1980, a long time ago now. But of course there were, there, you know, all this, uh, the pyroclastic flow coming down from Mount St. Helens actually uh, formed strata, solid rock today. You can see here in this picture, um, see that, that band in the center there. I think it's over 16 feet tall in, in, it in gets some to 25 places. feet uh, thick in some places, yeah. but it was laid down quickly. Yeah, and you can see the gal there for size. And that's solid rock today, fine layering. I mean, if you get up close to that, it's really fine layering. I remember being taught in school, you might get one of those layers, maybe two per year. You know, that's and the standard that's, interpretation. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And so here you are showing that rock, it doesn't take millions of years to form. Just like their, the, you know, their, the, their situation they had over, over, over there in, in Lockyer. It, why are you assuming the millions of years? I guess that, that's the, yeah, the thing we have There are to, many such examples. Of course. Uh, people go to you know, Yellowstone uh, Park, for example, and you see uh, here's, here's the, the fossil trees at Yellowstone. And, you read the in interpretive plaques and they say, well, these were, you know, several forests uh, set down over millions of years. Here's the fossils and, and stuff like that. Yeah, and each of those trees were buried in the position where they grew. And you can see them there, uh, beautifully petrified. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, uh, what happened at Mount St. Helens reveals that that's not, that's, uh, not necessarily the case either. Because now you've got all these trees blown down from the explosion. Now they're starting to sink. They're getting to the bottom of, of uh, Spirit Lake. They're getting covered in sediment. And it looks all the world for like uh, what we see at Yellowstone, except it 
it's taking place very, very quickly. So again, uh, this is the type of stuff we cover a lot, but one, you know, we would just encourage people, when you're looking at these, uh, you know, sensational claims made in the media or sometimes even in scientific reports, uh, just think, wait a sec, if you apply biblical history to that, is it really that astonishing? Yes. Is there another explanation for what we're seeing here? Right, because yeah. this long age paradigm that's just so ingrained in our, in our heads uh, can easily be uh, accounted for just by looking at the Bible. That's right. Both the Creation Magazine Live TV show and this podcast are produced by Creation Ministries International, a global think tank organization dedicated to disseminating the huge amount of scientific evidence for the accuracy of the biblical account of the origin of our universe. If you'd like to donate to keep this information coming, go to creation.com donate. And thanks for listening.